listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound. Hey guys, welcome back to the General Admission Podcast. Um, I'm Jen. Unfortunately, um, my co-host Alessandra couldn't make it today, um, but I am here with a very special guest in Evil Eddie, also known as Eddie Jacobson. I'm from um, the hip-hop group Butterfingers. Uh, Say hello, Eddie. (laughs) Hey, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Uh, pretty good. And thanks so much for taking the time out um, to do this episode with us. It does mean a lot. No worries. Uh, it's good to just, I don't know, be chatting to people about what I'm doing because no one else in my house wants to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got plenty of, of people that, that do want to hear about it, uh, myself included. And it was really, uh, you know, interesting um, how well the timing of this all was because when I was kind of looking at next guests for the podcast, I really wanted to get a hip-hop artist on. And so, you know, it was really, you know, such great timing that you guys are doing this tour and I was able to get in touch with you and, and to be able to do this. So it's awesome. Cool. Well, here we are. Yeah, here we are. And um, I guess for people that have no idea, you know, who Butterfingers are, could you just give our listeners just a bit of a rundown, you know, a bit, a bit about the band's history and, you know, what you've kind of been doing over the past couple of years? Uh, okay, so this tour we're doing is a 15-year anniversary of the first album that we released, and that album's called Breakfast of Fat Boys. Um, we put that out in a time where... Aussie hip-hop was not really very well known or understood or I don't know it wasn't really on the map yet um so it was kind of uh I don't know a new wave of stuff coming through but we released it independently as well um which was a bit of a anomaly back then um well considering how well we did with it so like we got it, our songs in, like, I think it would end up being about six to ten Hottest 100 entries or something through the time wow. that we were together originally. And I don't know. Yeah, most of our stuff's pretty tongue-in-cheek. We're a full live band, so we it's not like an MC and a DJ or whatever. We actually have always been a band, and we were originally a punk band before we kind of... I don't know, switch to, to doing uh, hip-hop stuff. Wow. So, yeah, drums, bass, guitar, and samples, slash keys kind of thing. So, oh, and percussion. But there's only, there's only four of us, but we kind of move around a little bit on the instruments. And, yeah, I don't know what to... What to tell you? <laughs> well, that, that's, that's a whole lot. Because huh? what's really cool is that, you know, you were mentioning that you guys were, you know, in a punk band before, you know, um, turning hip-hop. But what's really great and that's something that kind of drew me to your music, you know, listening to it for the first time, was that kind of, you know, the elements of rock and, like, the other layers that you guys kind of bring to hip-hop. And that, for me, is what makes it, you know, you know that's the dif- differentiator. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Um that's really become a strength um, of ours since we first started. I mean, when we when we did first start, like I said, Aussie Hip Hop was quite young, and when it started to develop, there was really a kind of animosity towards us uh, from the general hip hop community because a lot of them were very, uh, what's the word, like strict about what hip-hop is and what hip-hop mm. isn't and, and at that time it was like if you don't have a dj 
it's not hip hop. You're just you're just rapping over music, which is different. It's not the same. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was very very um yeah. I don't know. It was just it's just tough to impress the crowd that crowd. But we but it ended up being a real strength for us because it did differentiate differentiate us. And um, it gave us a lot of opportunities to perform at festivals and stuff that didn't normally have hip-hop at it. Like, you talk about the festivals that we used to play, like Big Day Out and stuff. It was mainly it was mainly rock bands um, at that time. And um, we kind of fit into that large stage kind of format because, you know, when you have a live drummer, it... it it gives a lot of, uh, I guess, presence. You know, mm. when, you, when you're watching, Pleasure. when you're watching a DJ. Not to say that there's not like anything lacking about a DJ, because like a good DJ is like you know got skills, and it's amazing to watch that. Mm. But at the same time, um, you know, four people rather than one or two, you know, moving is automatically like larger visually speaking mm. but like when you're smacking the skins of a drum kit and you know it, it's it's a it's a visual element that you don't get from you know a microphone and two turntables yeah definitely and then add guitars to that and, and there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah awesome. well we, we always like what happened with the band with the evolution of the band is we were a punk band before we broke up I started a new band and then, uh, you know, started doing the hip hop stuff and the, the members of that new band ended up like shuffling around through the early years until we kind of solidified on, on a group of people, which was the same group as the band that we had before. Yeah. <laughs> there you and go. Like, oh, Match by heaven. <laughs> we've got at least hip-hop songs but we've also got a back catalogue of punk stuff that we never released because we never we broke up before we released anything and that's how come Breakfast of Fat Boys our first record is a mix there's like there's not really like what I call rap rock songs on there but there's rap songs and then there's rock songs as well yeah absolutely and we used to call them palate cleansers like (laughs) I always felt that like with any band, because I used to work at a venue, I'd watch so many bands, and no matter what it was, I'd, by the end of the night, if I've seen five bands that are all playing the same genre, I would just be really, really bored, or really just over that genre. For and, sure. Um, so when bands like Regurgitators started coming through and they were doing all different sorts of genres together, I was like, that is the way forward. Like, we've got to... We've got to mix it up. And we so, yeah, we'd use the punk songs as what I'd call palette cleansers. You play, like, three or four hip-hop tracks, everyone's used to that, and then just blast them for a minute with, like, something completely different and then come back to to the hip-hop stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, like, for me, it's like, because I recently joined a band, and, and that's kind of, like, the same kind of ethos that, that we've got as a group. You know, like, rock is the base. I mean, you have to have something that's a marker, um, of for who you are, you know, as a group. But on top of that, I mean, bring just, you know, so many different influences that we're pretty much genreless. And, and just harking back to what you're saying. And I think that's really the, the way forward, just kind of chasing sounds and, and different textures rather than genres because they're so flaccid. Mm. Yeah, well, they're blurring more and more. It is uh, like, yeah, there's so many sub genres and little micro scenes that, like, 
you, I don't know. I think it's good in the way that you you got so much freedom now. Yeah, definitely. It's it's pretty incredible. Now, with no segue whatsoever, we often do this on the podcast. Sometimes we have good ones. But anyway, um, we're going to go to our very first uh, segment of the podcast uh, called What's On Your Playlist. So for our listeners that are just um, joining the podcast, um, it's basically a segment where um, me and Eddie are going to be um, flipping back and forth um, just with songs that we've been jamming with. We'll each pick two and we'll kind of yeah flip back and forth with each other and yeah just, just have a bit of a discussion as to, to why we like the song and, and, and stuff like that. So Eddie, do you want to kick us off? It's entirely up to you. Uh, I'm just opening up my Spotify to see what I've been listening to lately. Um <laughs> That sounds good. Have you heard Baby Shark? I have not. Is that is that a song or is that a, an artist? <laughs> it's a song. I've got kids. I've got two young girls and there's a song, a kid's song called Baby Shark. Um, I don't want to sing it to you because you get it stuck in your head and it's like, it's the worst song. Oh, can you sing like five seconds of it? Baby shark, do, 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 baby shark. Oh, that's enough. <laughs> that's brilliant, mate. <laughs> no, that's great. But kind of just, yeah, so run me through kind of, you know, ex- your experiences, you know, with the song, obviously having your two young girls and kind of just, you know, why the song means, you know, so much. Uh, well, I guess that one means a little bit more than the others at the moment because we recently went on holiday and there was a pool at the place that we went on holiday and at lunchtime every day they would play um, like water well they call it water basketball or something we're using the water and you, there's a hoop at each end and the teams and but to signify that the game was about to start they would play the baby shark song so everyone would come down to the pool oh, but cool. like it just got drilled into us so <laughs> yeah and they love it they just froth on it yeah, no, I can imagine. And I can imagine it would just be repeat, like, in the house, like, to the point where you're just, like, I can't listen to music ever again, like, for today. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, yeah, so now, so for my pick, so I'm going to literally look through my Spotify as well. Oh, like, I love Spotify playlists. They're kind of your lifesaver in these kinds of situations. Um, so, yeah, so recently I went to see um, a couple of, of really killer bands for the Red Hot Summer Tour, um, and that was actually mm-hmm. flying to, to, to Brisbane um, because with Joan Jett, um, all of her shows like here and in, in Sydney and in Melbourne um, were all sold out. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, yeah, going over there to see her on, um, um, Bribby Island. Um, and yeah, like one of my, um, you know, all-time favorite songs, um, is Cherry Bomb. Um, and so that was, yeah, with Runaways. And to see Joan actually um, perform that with her band, The Blackhearts, um, and it was like the second song on in her set was was pretty surreal. It was the first time I'd ever seen Joan Jett live, and, yeah, she's she's incredible. Um, and it's really it kind of, yeah. yeah, and it brings like a bit of a different tone as well um, to Cherie Curry, who was the original singer um, of The Runaways, um, singing it. So to, to see like kind of like Joan's voice and her attitude um, and her band was was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's a legend, and she's been doing it for ages. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, and she seems like such a relatable person as well. Like, she seems like, you know, just a genuinely nice kind of, you know, person. That's kind of why she's, and you know, combined with her musical ability, she's actually been doing it for, for so many decades. Yeah. Yeah, I've got friends who I think they were uh, either tour managing or driving her, like, from a few tours ago, and they're, like, right into, um, you know, glam and stuff anyway. And um, they've just remained friends with her. So, like, on the recent tour, like, I saw on Instagram, they got no photos just hanging out backstage and stuff. And, yeah, she seems, I mean, from pictures, she seems like a real cash, like, and, and the fact that they've remained friends, like, just someone she met on tour that drove them one time and they've stayed friends, like, you know, across the world or whatever. It's, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's a testament to her, her personality. Yeah, definitely. And it really pretty much like, and it's not just her, it's just so many artists across the world that prove that you don't need to be a dick to be at the top of your game and do it for a very long time. Mm, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So what is a second song that you got for us? Have you got one ready? you got to flip through the Spotify. Uh, yeah, so we, on the tour, we're like, I mean, we're playing the album, but, you know, just to keep it interesting, we're blending it and um i just thought this morning that i would uh expose my kids to one of the bands that we're mashing up with which is the black keys oh great um so yeah i was playing the black keys to the kids this morning but lonely boy But um, mm. but that's the one we're actually taking and reworking for this for the tour. So yeah, that's really Black cool. He's lonely boy. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I guess, how did you kind of feel when you first heard the song? Like, what what kind of emotions kind of went through your head when you first put it on? Well, I I have been a fan of Black Keys for a long time, and I remember seeing well, like when we were together years and years ago before we went on our 10-year hiatus yeah um we saw them play at the corner hotel uh in richmond in melbourne and that which is where we're playing on the tour actually yeah Um, i was just thinking that they i don't know it would have been like 2004 uh maybe 2006 i don't know it was a long time ago and um so like i've been listening to them and following them for for years and years and I've always thought they were great songwriters um but yeah when Lonely Boy came out I was I was amazed at the the jump you know what I mean like Mm. that song was so popular and they'd had so many albums before that like it was really good to see uh a band who'd been like enjoying worldwide but moderate success for such a long time, mm. finally, like, break through to the mainstream. It looked like a really organic growth. Like, it, it give, that kind of stuff gives me hope, you know, to see, like, a good band just staying consistent for a long enough period, like, just can't be stopped, really. Like, yeah, at absolutely. some point, they're going to they're gonna blow. And they did. And they, they did it. They killed it. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, is – it's – 
becoming, you know, a little bit harder to come by in terms of even discovering artists is that, you know, consistency and, you know, that kind of that want for, like, you know, a longer kind of more sustainable career because, I mean, the, the reasons that people start bands are obviously, you know, very different. Most people don't, you know, seek to be the most successful band in the world, but often it's kind of like either, you know, like a rapid rise to success and then they kind of just fall into nothing or it just, you know, they, they do grow steadily but, but just not enough. So it's really good, yeah, you know, that they actually have had a really steady, consistent kind of trajectory, and because they're so good at what they do, it was only a matter of time before things exploded. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. So I guess my final track for this segment, um, have you heard of um, a rapper called Lil Dicky? Of course. Yes, yes. So he, yeah, and um, I was actually making comparisons, you know, between, you know, your music with Butterfingers and, and Lil Dicky because I feel like his approach to what he calls anti-rap I think is just really cool and down to earth. And so this song that I have in mind is called Professional Rapper with Snoop Dogg. myself, I get a form to project myself. It's never boring every morning I wake up and try to best myself. I never gotta be suppressed or stealthy to express myself. It's kind of healthy. Cool, and let me put you through a couple hypotheticals. Sure. In a club and a couple niggas threaten you. It's such a great video um, as well. Like when I when I saw it and kind of like just seeing like kind of like the animation and kind of like Snoop Dogg being like, you know, at the, at the pinnacle of, of this kind of hip hop empire empire but kind of like the traditional way of doing things and then you've just got this, this skinny lad in Lil Dicky kind of you know preaching his his anti-rap or like him just being a funny person being able to you know just talk about his everyday life and, and make it good like I just found that like you know really refreshing yeah Lil Dicky's awesome like he he's really funny but he's a really really good rapper as well he like, is it's crazy speaking he is nuts he's really really good so, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does next. I, I, I really thought that Chris Brown thing was good and, you know, it was funny. But at the same time, it's like the whole Chris Brown thing. And I was like, that's like a really unusual step to take for someone who's obviously quite aware of, you know, the territory that he's in. And like this whole like Me Too movement and stuff happening, like him working with Chris Brown was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's like helped him or hurt him. It's, mm. it's an interesting angle because, you know, Chris Brown is not particularly liked by a lot of people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm excited to see what little Dickie does next. He's, he's really good and he's really funny and, yeah. Absolutely. Like, his raps on that song, Professional Rapper, are just absolutely insane. Like, the rhymes and, like, you know, like, the the rhythms that he comes up with are just, like, it's just crazy. So I guess that does actually segue quite nicely into um, our next segment, which is our in-depth track review. So for listeners that are just, you know, tuning in to the podcast, this is your first episode, um, it's basically where I'm going to get Eddie um, to pick a track um, from um, that classic album, Breakfast and Fat Boys, which they'll be touring on for their 15th anniversary of the album. And just kind of just, you know, just talk about it, you know, even like, you know, from a retrospective point, you know, it is, you know, 15 years since this album came out. Um, so Eddie, I want you to pick a track off that record and kind of just take it away just talk about anything you'd like when it comes to that song um okay uh i guess every time that was like the first single off the off the record and the one that kind of got our foot in the door (laughs) 
different to most uh, every other song I've ever written in the way that it's what they call a list song. There's no story particularly. It's just like a continual list of things. Mm. And the thing that they all have in common is that it's all like, you know, self-depreciating or like bad luck kind of stuff that's just happening to me constantly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good way to put it. No, that's really cool because the I think even just around like, you know, structures, you know, regarding like songwriting, you know, the way that, you know, in, in lyrics, especially for you, um, you know, as a writer, um, the ways that people kind of structure songs now is also a lot more, a lot more fluid. And so it's good that you can kind of, you know, have different songs like, like every time, um, which, you know, is just, you know, just talking about shit that happens and there's no particular story. It's just life. That's probably the way to sum it up. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean the list part really comes into the the sentence structure as well. Like it's just I don't know if you know or are familiar with track, or if the people out there listening are familiar with track. But it's um, every line starts with like every time I do something, something, something happens. Every time I do something, something, something else happens. You yeah. Know, like, so it's a it's a repetitive formula, and it actually has no real chorus because the hook is in in the the line, which is you know, in every line of the verse. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, you know, from a songwriting perspective, it's kind of rare and um, unusual. And I haven't written many other songs like that or any other songs like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. And like, I think just like the, the rhythm like of it, um, it's just, it's slightly reggae as well. Like for me, which is, which is pretty cool. I know everyone's going to have their interpretation, but that's kind of what I kind of got from it too, which is, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, right. I've never, never seen it that way. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of got, got a bit of an undertone. But I think that's the beauty as well with music is that, like, you know, people are going to take, you know, various interpretations. There's, it's kind of limitless in terms of, you know, people's backgrounds or experiences of listening to something and then kind of, you know, hearing a song and, and it kind of reminds them of that. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's really cool. And I guess, like, you were mentioning as well, um, you know, how this song structure and the way that you did it was quite rare. I think that really sums up a lot of the album, whether it's, you know, sonically or lyrically. Like, for me, Hook Up, um, the album's first song, that one really gets to me because it's not your, your standard kind of traditional rap song of, like, hooking up with people. It's actually, like, more about, like, people giving you free shit because you were broke. Like, I find that really cool. <laughs> yeah did i say that i was broke or just, just getting free stuff i can't remember the words exactly yeah but um so, something along those lines yeah I, mean, <laughs> yeah I mean that's what the term that's what the term like if you got the hook up that's like what it means in australia as far as i'm aware i don't know i'll just take the slang as we we say it and that used to be kind of a formula of mine I would just like attach myself to slang phrases or whatever that we would be using in our circles or whatever and yeah you turn that into song titles and exp- kind of explain what it means you know? yeah and it's cool because it's stuff that you know like you know it's an Aussie slang term and so it's naturally going to be more relatable you know to an Australian audience and I think that kind of grassroots approach is something that you know, especially in, like, kind of Australian rap history, you know, from when it first kind of started, is, is something that really was non-existent at the beginning. 
Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, because, and, but it's really cool to see kind of like the newer wave of artists um, in Australia kind of following that, like, you know, um, um, esoteric. Because um, he, yeah, from um, Bliss and Eso, um, he's kind of done his own kind of solo stuff. He released like an EP, My Astral Plane, last year. And it's very yep. similar to the stuff that you guys have done, not sonically, but lyrically in terms of like, you know, like the everyday kind of person's kind of raps. Like he's sampled like a section of um, the Ketchup Soul which was pretty oh, funny. Okay. Yeah, and, like, put, like, I samples. I actually heard it yet. Yeah, it's really good. Um, check it out. It's called My Astral Plane. It's an EP. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's awesome. It's just, it's very relatable. He even, like, kind of talks about, you know, what traditionally is, is seen as happening in rap and kind of is just, like, I'm not like that kind of thing yeah. approach to it. So it's really cool to see that kind of rap emerging, like, you know, 15 years since that album came out. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> it, it is a very long time. <laughs> um, the rap's changed quite a lot. Like, I've been sort of, oh, yeah, just listening to Unearthed for, you know, trying to trying to get um, opening acts and stuff for the tour. So you look around Unearthed in the different areas and see what people are doing. And, um, yeah, like, you know, this whole trap things really big now and mm. it's a really different vibe like it's yeah like when when we were coming up like i said like rock aussie rock was massive so like you kind of have well i felt like we had to kind of sonically compete with that mm. and it's not about being chilled at all it's about it's about getting people up out of their seats but i feel like the you know a lot of the hip-hop back then uh, for quite a long time was very party oriented all mm. the barbecue rap stuff and you know lots of horns and funk samples and lots of yeah like real 90s influence mm. um, whereas now I feel like everything's kind of like up to date um, with what's happening overseas like I, I felt like Australia um, culturally kind of lagged behind the US by about 10 years mm. US and the UK it was always like a, a little bit of time before it would filter through but now because of the internet and you know the immediacy of everything and being so connected I feel like everything in the Australian music industry or this you know the music scenes has like catapulted itself into the into the the now of the entire world so really true quickly like it's such a shift and such a really quick shift. So, um, but I mean, you know, it's different, but it's not, it's not to say that it's not good. Like there's heaps of great stuff out there and lots of good rappers and lots of good bands. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just more of, it's kind of like a product of our isolation and, and like a result of it, like being, you know, so isolated to the point where we are in a bit of a bubble, but then when we catch up, we catch up and kind of take it to another level. <laughs> yeah, slingshot ahead. Now, um, without further ado, um, let's um, go into our last segment, which is our non-music one. So that's basically, and I know that this can be really hard for some artists who literally bring everything back to music. Um, so that might end up happening. Um, but it's basically um, where we're going to, you know, pick a couple of, of, of Eddie's passions outside of, of music and kind of just talk about those. So, um, so for you, I guess... Outside of music, what are some things that you really love doing? 
Uh, well, I'm actually I'm running my own graphic design business, which is just me, wow. and like I kind of focus on illustration and stuff. So, and I've always drawn, like I've always before I even really started learning how to play music or anything. Like from a kid, I was always drawing and encouraged to draw. So that's that's one of my ongoing passions. And um, the other thing kind of I've been getting into lately as a way of you know helping with songwriting so it is related but I've been reading a lot about script writing oh really so, yeah like and you know particularly like story structure and and comedic story structure looking into comedy and looking into yeah like script script writing yeah, that's really cool. And I guess, like, with, like, your graphic design business and with your illustrations, do you do, like, any comedy or, like, like comic illustrations as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I got into it and I still do it, like, a lot for event posters. So, oh, yeah. you know, like, I, I've always loved, like, really, really good, you know, gig posters. And not so much here, but in the States there's... Um, a pretty big uh, focus on tour posters in the way that there's like a handful, I'm talking like mm, like maybe like 30 or 40 really good illustrators, right, mm. who their main thing is they do rock poster art. And when a band goes on tour, a band like the Black Keys or the Decemberists or mm. uh, I'm trying to think, like all the rock bands as well, like Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, Tool, all that stuff, all those bands, when they tour, like there's a merch stand obviously that sells all their t-shirts and stuff, but there's always like a limited edition uh, poster prints for that particular show. And what's interesting about them is like the band name um, is usually not that prominent sometimes it is but not always it's more kind of about the artwork and mm. the artist is usually there selling it himself and it's limited prints oh wow and um yeah and it's it's a huge thing like and they all become like collector's items because these artists have their followings um as well and the band has their followings obviously so you know it's a good I think it's a really good cross advertising thing because like one of the guys that I really look up to is actually an Australian guy from Melbourne his name's Ken Taylor oh yeah like if you check him out type in Ken Taylor art or something like that or rock poster Ken Taylor he's done so much stuff and over such a long period um that like and and I love his stuff so much that I really like when I first started illustrating seriously Hmm. you know as part of my business i was really aiming to like duplicate his style i was like there's no better style than this guy (laughs) like it's just amazing whereas now you know I've, i've evolved a little bit and i'm doing my own thing but yeah i still really really appreciate his work and um i've to the point where i've bought and i've got posters hanging on my wall of his work of bands that I don't even know. And that's, and that's the beauty. 
Yeah, it's about appreciating yeah. the art that, that he's kind of created. And from through that, you might actually discover some amazing bands, you know, like you said, you've never heard of before. So that's a really <laughs> good gateway. <laughs> art kind of yeah, crossing yeah. over with other art. <laughs> well, when I say I don't even know, like I bought the poster not knowing. But then, you know, I've gone, oh, I should check out this band <laughs> whose poster I've got on the wall. And then I listen to it and go, I don't really like the music. But I like, this, I like the poster. The poster is sick. Yeah. No, no, that's awesome. Like, I really love, um, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Arch Enemy and um, the, the vocalist, um, Elisa. She actually used to, like, commission, like, portraits and, like, paintings and stuff. And she kind of wanted to do, like, like with, like, an Arch Enemy album or a solo album, have, like, a one massive painting for each song and kind of have, like, a kind of, like, a vinyl booklet and, like, a full-on, like, um, booklet of, like, all 14 paintings for, like, each song. Um, so that's a really kind of cool meld, like with what you were talking about of, of different types of art. Right, that's right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe something you you could consider as well, but something that you know might might be you know satisfying creatively down the track. Yeah, well, this new album, which is coming out later this year, is uh, you know I was talking about script writing. It's actually like a whole story it's kind of like a movie start to finish so it's a concept record which we've oh, never right. done before um but yeah like that actually makes kind of sense like every because every song is basically a scene in the in this in this movie or this story mm. um it'd be rad to to maybe do some art prints like you know i work digitally so i'm not gonna have a painting to sell for each thing but like mm maybe it can coincide with an art exhibition and there'd be like limited edition prints for each. Yeah. That would be incredible. Like even if you did it at like a boutique kind of gallery and you could do, you can coincide it with an album launch, something like that. Totally. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Like, Yeah, for sure. And I guess um, just as a final thing before uh, you go, just for our listeners, if you just want to do a quick wrap on, you know, uh, the 15th anniversary tour uh, for the record, just kind of what's kind of happening this year. Yeah, just just take it away. Okay, yeah, so we've got the tour coming up through April and, Mar- April and March. Um, we're going everywhere, all over the country. Uh, we're playing the album start to finish, Breakfast and Fat Boys, from the first song to the last song in order. Uh, we are mashing the tunes up a fair bit, so, um, you know, there's a little bit of surprise still <laughs> to come, even though even if you know the album back to front. Um, new album on the way. It should be the first single, I think, coming out maybe July, September. Hopefully the album will be October, November, somewhere around there. Like I said, it is a, it is a story. It's a concept record, so start to finish, there's a narrative running through and every song is like a scene in that story um yeah i don't want to say too much more about that but um yeah stay tuned it's going to be a big year it it definitely is going to be a big year and it's going to be a mammoth run as well um with this record you're going to have a lot of um long-time fans and new ones as well i'm showing up so it's going to be killer yeah yeah well yeah we've got our facebook is going bananas at the moment we've (laughs) like gained like 20% Twenty percent of our um, subscribers or whatever have come in the last month and a half. Something. Yeah, that's incredible, and like, yeah, and that just shows you, you know, that that the music is timeless. That because of the way that you that you've written, you know, it doesn't date. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, you know, to be honest, I was very conscious of that when we were um, writing. Uh, I all like it was very common 
in American hip hop to always like, you know, check the year or whatever, like, yeah, 1996 or whatever, and, you know, say and talk about stuff. I mean, like, Eminem is a good example as well. Like, he always talks about current events. Mm. And, um, and I think it's cool. Like, it is cool. Um, like, I love it when I hear it. Some, especially if something's just happened and he's commented on it. But at the same time, like, I, the stuff that I was writing, I was like, I really want it to be relevant, you know, in, in the future. Like, you know, a kid could hear it in 50 years and it still relate to it because, and, like, not feel alienated because I don't know any of the reference points or... You know, so there's not really, I don't really have much of like pop culture references or political references like actually spelled out in my, in my tunes. It's, it's a lot broader than that for hmm. the purpose of, you know, trying to keep it from dating. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a, and you know, a really like, you know, different way to write and it's and and it's good because you know songwriting takes so many different forms and and this is one of them and it's one that I personally really connect with but um thanks so much Eddie for your time again it's been awesome and I do definitely want to make it to a show on your mammoth run so hopefully I can go say hey and and meet you guys oh come on down right awesome right thanks so much Eddie um have a great rest of the day you too, bye. Right, bye. You're listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound. <laughs>